Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Mom. First things first, thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, we can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? How you doing? Ben Kissel here, hanging out with Travis Morningstar. Ben, this is a very horny time. Is it in, really? In our country. People, Not for me. People are scared and they're horny. I didn't know people were having sex. I thought they were having less well, sex. Well, there's only a couple things you can do at home uh, during this shelter-in-place period. You can eat. You can watch Netflix, and then you can have Netflix on in the background while doing other things with your partner. If you happen to have a partner, if you I just are, got my dog. If, are, if you are one of the millions of Americans that are that are just inconsolably horny, um, I do have a little bit of relief here. Oh, um, I'm going to read an excerpt from Stacey Abrams' uh, 2004 novel Never Tell. All right, hold. Let's just backtrack a second. <laughs> okay, Stacey Abrams. As if we couldn't love her any more than we already do. She has a history that I was not aware of until Travis brought it to my attention. She is a novelist. A romance novelist. A love novelist. She goes by the name of Selena Montgomery, yes. which I have to say, if I'm reading a saucy <laughs> tale about love, Selena Montgomery is the person I want scribing the sexual tension between a doctor and his nurse. Absolutely. So here's a um, now. Now these these romance novels they always take sort of a uh, a suspense uh, edge to them too. So there's mm. like it's sort of like sexy CSI. Okay. Um. So here's an excerpt from the 2004 novel Never Tell. Never Tell. All right. Well, that that sounds like something that could have been created by a Catholic priest. Sounds like a title that could get awry. And now and now I'll give you. A, so Never Tell centers on criminal psychologist Aaron Abbott. Ooh. An adjunct professor teaching murder 101 at Burkine University in New Orleans. Cool. In her pursuit of a serial killer terrorizing the city, Aaron partners with Gabriel Moss, an investigative journalist seeking a juicy story to save his <laughs> failing newspaper. So here's an excerpt okay. from 2004's novel, uh, Never Tell. Okay. Her hands skimmed along beneath his shirt, and Gabriel arched with pleasure. He rewarded the discovery with tender kisses pressed to her temple, gentle nibbles along her throat. Tracing the collar of her shirt, he pushed the wide band aside and traced <laughs> the bared flesh with warm licks of fire. Yikes. Down, over her shoulder, the shirt fell, and he followed, unwilling to miss even a taste. Shrouded in the scent of him, Aaron tested corded muscles at his neck. Unsatisfied, she nipped at his chest, Woo. soothing small wounds with delicate flicks of tongue. He tasted mysterious and familiar. <laughs> she feasted. 
Oh my! Kind of a vampire yes. story towards so, the end there. So that so that was never tell from 2004. Now the thing about this, uh, uh, she just sold this book to CBS to be made into a TV show. I love it. That she is, is accomplished. It is perfect for Lifetime or whatever the hell CBS owns. I'm sure they have the Hallmark Channel or something like that in their arsenal. I want to watch the movie. I want it to be narrated by Stacey Abrams. I think that is absolutely wonderful. And you know what I'm going to say? It's nice to see a human being potentially become a uh, national figure when it comes to Stacey Abrams in the Veep Stakes, who I am pushing more towards Stacey Abrams, uh, perhaps an Elizabeth Warren. However, we're going to get into some information on who Joe Biden is sniffing around when it comes to filling his potential cabinet. Uh, There's a fellow named Larry Summers, uh, who he is uh, entertaining, most likely going to choose when it comes to an economic advisor role in the White House. Larry Summers, not exactly loved within the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. And of course, when it comes to um, some concessions, that was what Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, again, the progressive wing of the Democratic Party wanted slash need from Joe Biden in order to accept his nomination and to get on board. Uh, So this is an interesting first sort of uh, I want well, we're getting a messaging. Peak, yeah, this we're is, getting a peek yes. at his priorities. Yes. At, at what a Biden administration will look like, and this is such a temperature test. Uh, and honestly, we're talking we were talking about the beef stakes. I don't think Warren has a. I don't think Warren is viable anymore because Why of not? this. Because of this option. Because Warren represents the antithesis of somebody like Larry Summers. She is. She is the. the it would be such a weird uh, configuration mm-hmm. of people in Biden's team with Warren and Larry Summers who represents the opposite of progressive values. Or does that, would that show pragmatism? We can't have all the same kind of taste in the uh, in the room. By Otherwise choosing, it's possible you're not going to get the best cuisine. The thing is, by choosing Larry Summers to be uh, an economic advisor, it shows that Biden is definitely trying to placate Wall Street. Oh, so, without a doubt. So the idea that he would choose Larry Summers to advise and then choose Warren uh, to, which would uh, be a distasteful to everyone on Wall Street, mm-hmm. um, if she is true to her progressive values, mm-hmm. the, it mm-hmm. just doesn't uh, it doesn't work out. That math doesn't work out. If Elizabeth Warren is asked to be vice president, she will say yes. Absolutely, she's, she's that already is, that said is that. Not, that is not the issue, and, I think, but. Um, She's already said that. And one of the interesting things is Joe Biden really did pigeonhole himself by saying he was going to choose a woman. I was speaking uh, with some family members and a lot of other people have been talking about Biden Cuomo. And I'm like, hey, it sounds great on paper. If that's what you're into, it is not even possible. So kind of get that illusion out of your head. It will not be Cuomo. It will be a woman unless unless he does not choose a woman, which I suppose (laughs) is also possible. It wasn't a legal binding document. He wasn't Ariel signing a uh, a decree with Ursula. He could theoretically still choose a man. And if it is more politically advantageous, polling data does show that someone like a Cuomo, of course, the governor here in New York, who's getting a lot of accolade right now by the mainstream media because they don't have to live in his state. For those that don't know, Andrew Cuomo is a he is he might as well be a small R Republican. Yes. um, By national standards, because, of course, we have one party rule here and he is 
far more conservative than the progressive wing of the Democratic Party. Look no further than what he did with the Working Families Party after they endorsed Cynthia Nixon, of course, from Sex and the City fame. That's right. I have always said I'm a Miranda. I'm She's, a Miranda. Yeah. I am a Miranda. I'm a Raphael from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I'm a Miranda. And Quam was more of a Samantha. He is a bit of a Samantha. Yeah. So that is not going to be happening unless Joe Biden uh, reverses what he's already said he's not going to do, which would be a strange way uh, to kick off his campaign. It is very. There's a very likely chance that it's going to be. Stacey Abrams or uh, Kamala Harris. And it's, uh, you know, Reverend Al Sharpen came out and said he, it needs to be a black woman. Jim Clyburn, uh, senator out of South Carolina, who was instrumental in, in getting support there, uh, says it's uh, he wants it to be Stacey Abrams, if not another black woman well, that, like Kamala Harris. So it is mm-hmm. very, he, but Biden is being pressed in that direction. And uh, absolutely. with with and, and also I will say a black woman who maybe has uh, not so pointed policies uh, in mind you know Stacey Abrams what is her big like hallmark policy that she pushes uh nothing really that like radical honestly I think the big thing that Stacey Abrams uh, talks about is voter disenfranchisement which I is an think... ineffectual but nice thing to talk about well, as, a, think, as a Democrat I don't think it's ineffectual and I would push back a little bit just Stacey Abrams on the ticket is radical Just her being a woman of color on a national ticket is radical. Now, that might seem a little shallow. Unfortunately, we live in a very shallow world, uh, more so every day, it seems. So I think that just her uh, nomination would be seen as radical. And speaking of Stacey Abrams, her and Andrew Yang, and listen to the interview that I did with Andrew Yang two years ago now, which is unbelievable. Um, I can't believe it's already been two years. Time is Time is very strange. It might actually, it might be more than I think about it. It might be good lord longer than that. So Stacey Abrams and Andrew Yang have announced uh, that they are going to join forces and they will launch a new campaign aimed at providing $1,000 in direct cash to 100,000 families receiving a supplemental nutrition assistance program, a.k.a. SNAP. So if you're on SNAP, it is possible that you could get $1,000 in cash to help uh, your struggling family and to help put food on uh, the table, which I think is wonderful to help out as many people as possible. So they call this Project 100. It's an effort organized by a nonprofit called Give Directly, a software company, Propel, and education advocacy group, Stand for Children. The effort has already raised $55 million, and the campaign has also uh, got some celebrity backers. Not that they matter whatsoever. As a matter of fact, as we learned in 2016, celebrities probably hurt you politically. Nonetheless, Ariana Grande, Rihanna, Halsley, Stephen Colbert, and the only celebrity that I actually like from that list, and the only one I trust, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, is on board. Of Veep course. herself. Veep herself. So I love Julia Louis-Dreyfus. I think that she's maybe the greatest comedic actor of our generation. Every single show she's ever done has been a hit, and not uh, not one of these faux hits. Not one, of, not one of these faux hits, like, uh, what's that one with Sheldon? Oh, the, the young Sheldon Big or Bang Big Bang Theory? theory. Yeah, I don't, Bing I don't, Bong I, Theory. Uh, Bing Bong Theory. I don't, I don't get how that one's funny. Veep is legitimately funny. 
there's a H- HBO is releasing a like a sub another like version of HBO called HBO Max, Ooh. and their advertising has Tony Soprano next to Sheldon from uh, Bing Bang Theory. Like they're as in Tony is like they reanimated him. No, no, like so their their advertising shows like it's HBO Max and like here's what's on HBO Max and they have they have t- they have the Sopranos they have Friends and they have Bing. <laughs> Bing Bong Theory. Uh, so they have Tony Soprano next to Chandler Bing from Friends next to Sheldon from Big Bang Theory. I think that does show the digression of the intelligence of the American <laughs> yes. people. From one of the greatest TV series <laughs> ever uh, ever made to Bing Bong Bazinga Theory. Hey, you know what? I will always um, have a soft spot in my heart for Friends just because of the duck. So this is what Stacey Abrams had to say regarding uh, this program. She says the most economically vulnerable are struggling to survive, unable to afford groceries or medicines for their children, let alone cover utilities, car payments and rent, which is why we need a rent freeze immediately. Uh, This is according to Andrew Yang. This is what he had to say. He said, you know, the government's doing everything it can to help. That's not actually not right. It should be doing more. We are going to talk about what's going on now with the most recent stimulus package. So-called small businesses evidently are businesses just as small as Shake Shack. Shake Shack getting in the news for doing something positive. So thank you, Shake Shack. Well, they, they yeah. gave back the they 10, got called out is what happened. Well, whatever it is, they gave back the ten million dollars, which is great for Shake Shack. However, how many companies are hoarding the cash? Uh, Travis has a it's list of great uh, nutty. I mean, the government basically threw a stake. Into a, you know, into a, and people just frenzied yeah. for it. And, and the big, the bigger, meaner companies got to the, to the food, got to the money uh, quicker than the smaller ones. And as Travis said, out of the mouths of babes, corporate thievery, it's nutty. It's nutty. It's yeah. nutty all around. <laughs> so Yang goes on to say, uh, this is a devastating time for millions of Americans and anyone with the capacity to help should be doing everything they can to help so stacy abrams andrew yang doing what they can to help out as many folks uh as possible given their economic restrictions obviously you would like to see that number be a million not one hundred thousand. but and you would think a start is a start and uh to those one hundred thousand families that will be receiving some economic aid uh this is going to go a long way because you know that's what's going on right now we're in a time where we are forgetting about the real people who are suffering. And I think that's one of the things that sort of has been getting me down. I had a, I went into a really dark hole kind of last, well, last week's episode, I listened to it. The suicide stuff, it's very real. It is real. very dark. And so when you get into that hole and you start looking at that, and then you start looking and registering all the undocumented workers who are totally screwed. We're not even getting, we're not even scratching the surface in our national conversation about the people who are truly suffering. And now we also have Donald Trump getting everything he ever wanted and Coulter's dry, weird, poofy dream um, of getting basically 100% restriction on our southern border when it comes to immigration. The Democrats have put themselves in a rough position to counteract that because, of course, they were critical of Donald Trump closing access to the U.S. from China. All of that was forgiven, not to mention Joe Biden just said now he approved of that decision. So unfortunately, uh, once again, the most vulnerable populations in our country are on the chopping block. And it should not be 
expressed, you cannot overexpress how horrible uh, what's going on right now with immigration is because we also have the kids. You got to think about the kids in foster care. Uh, there's a lot of kids who are just not getting the assistance, that, uh, the assistance that they need. We, uh, it's just the the rabbit hole of economic devastation goes so deep right now, and that is really what uh, what kind of aches my heart and breaks my heart. Which is, you know, sometimes that get sometimes that resonates itself in extreme amounts of anger. And what's going on right now in our society is that we have we have fallen so far from being able to hold a conversation with one another that we have now politicized a pandemic right it's insane to me that now science is partisan i don't understand how we i understand how we got here i don't understand how we got here so quickly donald trump everyone thinks about everything he does 24 7 either in hatred or in love and that is a problem because everyone's looking through life through the Trump prism, which is why we see such division. So we're going to have red states like Georgia, Brian Kemp, who open up early, maybe too early, even though Donald Trump, despite the fact he wants to liberate Minnesota, Michigan and Wisconsin, it's almost as if he wants to get those states to reelect him. Uh, he says Georgia, who he knows he's safe with, most likely going to win Georgia without a doubt. He says, oh, I don't know. I'm not on board with what Brian well, Kemp is doing, he- <laughs> despite his liberation tweets. So we have red states that are going to open up earlier. Yes. Blue states that are going to open up later. Neither of them will open up at the right time. And it's just very sad that all of us are in. We are the pawns in this political game of limbo. And that, to me, is extremely, extremely frustrating and at times, uh, for example, you know, I did get in. I had an interesting experience with Twitter this weekend where, you know, yes, it was bombastic. Yes, I may have been drinking alcohol and, <laughs> you know, it, nothing was worded properly. And you let your anger get a hold of you sometimes because we're isolated as hell. In New York, it's very interesting. Not a lot of people understand what this is for us. We don't have backyards. We don't have houses. We live in apartments, and it's very, very isolating. And we've been doing this shit for two months. New York City is, the businesses, everything is shuttered. If you take a mental health walk, which I do every day. You have to. um, You see that nature is coming back to New York City in the form of hordes of rats. And marauders. And and, and marauders from the warriors. It's a very, it is... um, I, I've been taking pictures on my little walks because because I think in five years I need to remember just how surreal this place is to live in. It is um, insane. It, it is really hard to describe the eerie, uh, empty feeling. It, it is. is right. It, so it is. Uh, it plays tricks on your head. So there are moments during this, and I'm sure everyone feels them. And if you do feel those moments of anger, that is okay. We just have to, you know, try to readjust. And try to get back and center yourself um, because we are going to get through this. It's just very difficult when we have a situation in this country where our political leadership has been so untrusted for so long. And then they are asking us to trust them with something so vitally important as our autonomy. And I feel like that's kind of one of the issues. We've been joking for years on this show about how Congress has 14% approval rating on a good day. But the not funny part of that is when we do have something that goes on nationally like this coronavirus pandemic, everyone can choose their own reality. And in each one of those realities, people become hyper tribal. And then they they will attack anyone um, for even expressing 
even on a knee-jerk whim reaction, uh, something that they are maybe counter to because they are basing all of their opinions under the shadow of Donald Trump. And they, it's just really, really sad. But of course, I understand, you know, this is not the time. We cannot be, you know, doing mass gatherings and things like that. But the desire to be hugged, the desire to be with people is not bad. And it is just a matter of time before it happens again. So there is if a you're struggling. With, I just know that there's so many people struggling with that right now. Yeah. And, and we don't want to. The problem is, as well, what we have going on in, in states like Michigan, Minnesota, Wisconsin, these protesters. Travis can speak to this. Yes. These protesters. That is not real. (laughs) Those people are, you know, it's very funny. The left is always, or the right rather, this conspiracy right is always talking about crisis actors. These are legitimately, for all intents and purposes, crisis actors. And these, by the way, these are the, you may have seen clips on social media. This is like the guy who's crying about lawn fertilizer and saying he he needs to go to Home Depot. And the woman who says, like, I haven't washed my hair in six weeks and, and she needs to get her hair cut. If these, I see one more sign that says, I need a haircut, I'm like, first of all, all you do is get a bowl cut. I'm looking so at... So you can, I guarantee you, you can find someone to do that or you can just do that yourself. I'm looking at a... Uh, a headline right now with salons closed an 89 year old houston woman washes her own hair for the first time in decades great that's headline news folks learn how to survive i suppose but, um you know yeah so these these protest groups the, the anger look anger is real frustration sadness that is all to be expected and that is all legitimate throughout the country there is 27 million people unemployed right now which does not account for the people that have not filled out on have not been Can't able to through. contact the unemployment agencies but um, and that is why when donald trump talks about the immigration policy which he did squeeze in the sentence they're taking our jobs and i was yeah. like yeah bro they're taking those 27 million jobs that people so desperately want to have back but these protests they're not obviously these protest groups that the largest one was four thousand people in michigan uh and then the other groups that uh, protests were in the more like 500 person range. Um, these are all these are astroturfed uh, conservative yes. uh, group projects. These are like the Tea Party, like you said before we recorded. I mean, these are these are these are Tea Party um, little lab experiments for conservative groups. These are conservative think tank funded, basically utilizing the ignorance of you know the manipulate how easy the um, human brain is to manipulate that's all these people are doing very similar by the way to what uh, russia was able to do in 2016 setting up democrats and republicans to go against each other but there's one puppet master pulling the string for the michigan based protest group is uh it's headed by a family member of betsy devos and also funded by betsy devos so uh, our secretary of education, our vaunted yes. secretary of education. Yes. So it, it is really hard to believe the uh, sincerity of these so-called uh, protesters. And my question is then, and I don't want to go down, I don't want to, it's hard to not lose faith in everything, but we're trying not to. The question then is, if these huge corp, or if, if this if this was manufactured, which it was, because people just don't don't organically do what they're doing in these state, uh, in these states, was the media then tipped off? Were they like, "This is going to be some kick-ass footage as well"? Like, how does it work? How big does that go to uh, to create um, a situation, to create a narrative? And that's my one issue. And this is what I was talking with Marcus about. 
I don't want to live in a world where I don't trust any media because you have to. But my question is, how much does the media create versus how much does the media cover? Yeah. Whereas, and I think that's the big that's that's the that's kind of what we're constantly weighing. You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful, but we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Here, so here's the reality. I, uh, so in a recent Politico morning consult poll, 81% of respondents said social distancing should continue as long as necessary, even if it meant sustained damage to the economy, while just 10% think social distancing restrictions should be eased immediately. Uh, so to put that number into perspective, 18% of Americans believe in alien abductions. So, there, it, but, so there is a contingent of people that do believe we should just start back up but for the majority of americans like if if this if social distancing practices and uh shelter in place was a politician it would be the most po- uh, popular politician in the country right uh if if 81 percent approval uh, of a thing you know this would be the most popular politician in, in america well and i guess that's the question and then the question is, how long are we willing to give up? A, uh, how much? How long do we give up autonomy in order to secure the greater good? And then at what point is the is uh, thing is the mission accomplished? And we go back to work or open up the economy, whatever it is. And I do want to say again, when it comes to opening up the economy, I do not give a flying fuck about these wealthy corporations. I don't care about the fact that oil is now negative $37 a barrel. Literally, they will be paying you to take it off their hands now. Yes. I do care about all of those workers um, that were living paycheck to paycheck. And and that's my main concern. So when, when people say, oh, the, it, the economy to me, I'm not seeing it from that level. I'm seeing it from the bottom level, which is the porters, the barbacks, these folks who... Um, they need to get back to work. But the question is, when is the right time? And I just don't want that time to be so politicized that we don't get anything right. So, yes, but for the most part, people understand that there is a virus killing people. 2,000 2, people a day are dying. That is our number right now. I think people understand that we need to get we need to have measures in place to survive this. Uh, and at the same time, we need to stay home. We need to social distance. But the thing I understand the anger and the fear and the frustration, but all of that stuff is directed at the wrong thing. It, it should it's not be directed at each other, which I think be, is horrible. It should not be directed at each other. It should not be directed at somebody that needs a haircut. Like it should not be uh, projected out into this, this need to go back to home Depot. It really should be uh, directed at, Congress and the Senate for passing uh, bills that do not allow us to stay safe in our homes yes. because th- we are we are kicking the can with these the CARES Act provisions um, 
Yeah. Because they don't, we got one $1,200 stimulus check Mm -hmm. and that is supposed to carry us on through 18 months of what is going to be uh, a vaccine uh, manufacturing and social distancing measures that prevent us from from businesses from opening again. If they ever find a vaccine for it. It's going to be, it's going to be a long time. Well, this Um, is a bit, I want to get into what you were just talking about with, with the, uh, with the release, with the relief program. I want to talk about who's taking it, but before that, a small side note here. Um, Speaking of people sounding the alarm, Obviously, folks in the Navy, someone on a submarine, seamen, <laughs> on a submarine, they're very susceptible to uh, the spread of something like a coronavirus. Yes. There was a Navy leader. He was a captain removed from his job last month for warning about the growing he- uh, health crisis. Right. Uh, this dude's name was Captain Brett Crozier. And he was like, yo, guys, a bunch of folks are getting sick on my ship. I think we got a real problem. Instead of solving the problem, they fired him, which if that's not a cover up, I don't know what is. Well, he 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 wrote, he wrote a, an email that was then leaked uh, to news sources that basically said we're in trouble here and we need we need everyone. We need all hands on deck here because we have yes. an issue here. And then he was fired because it seemed intentional that he would leak that to the media, which Good for him because he needed help and he was not getting help for his semen. And he absolutely uh, should have the right to express himself. I understand secrecy is what makes the military go. But this man is trying to defend the people that he was uh, promised to defend, that he promised to defend. So it looks as if uh, he may be able to get his job back. Uh, Crozier's firing stemmed from a letter that he wrote that was then published in the San Francisco Chronicle. Yeah. Uh, in it again, Crozier pleaded with the Navy to take seriously the fast-moving COVID spread. Um, and so in his letter, Crozier urged Navy leaders to evacuate most of the Roosevelt's crew, that's the name of the ship, to better isolate the personnel and disinfect the ship. Uh, this is what he wrote. He said, we are not at war. Sailors do not need to die. If we do not act now, we are failing to properly take care of our most trusted asset, our sailors. So Crozier had emailed his letter to around 20 to 30 people. Uh, The email was sent to 10 people, according to a copy obtained by the Washington Post. Uh, Crozier acknowledged it could cost him his Navy career. As far as I am concerned, this man is a patriotic hero. Uh, Anytime you put your career on the line, and hell, in this case, the high level of government, government we're dealing with here, his life potentially on the line. I think he needs to be reinstated and to be treated uh, like the hero he was. It reminds me of what happened on a much lesser scale, obviously, with the man who saved the world. The Russian dude who didn't fire the nukes back after the radar said, the U.S. just launched on the Soviet Union. Turned out to be a solar flare. Thank God he didn't launch. They railroaded him. He lived in poverty for the rest of his life. And like all good Russians, uh, drinks three bottles of vodka a day and lives in depression. That's not right. The man's a hero. He saved the fucking world. He's most likely going to be reinstated. And the guy who actually fired Crozier was fired himself for uh, calling him a dumbass on the Navy vessel, like over the intercom. He said uh, he called Crozier, I think think he literally called him a dumbass to the crew. And then somebody leaked that uh, announcement and he himself was fired, the guy who fired Crozier. And so people, the only reason that Crozier has not been reinstated yet is that some folks are concerned uh, that Donald Trump, his administration and the powers that be in the military 
uh, would take uh, vengeance against them. So that is an interesting situation that I wanted to highlight. Brett Crozer did everything right. Yeah. Was railroaded for it. Lost his job as he thought could happen. But times like this, I think that this man is a hero. He's a whistleblower in a time when we need whistleblowers, Absolutely. to be honest. All right. Well, let's talk about what's going on with the most recent stimulus package and what has been going on when it comes to the past allocation of funds for so-called small businesses, which, again, right. as we've talked about, is any business under 499 people. Also, we have to remember many of these businesses they will break up how many people actually work for them. There'll be an umbrella company and then there'll be a series of LLCs underneath that's that umbrella the whole company. Thing. That's the, that's the, the carve out that everyone, that's the loophole yes. that all these businesses are taking advantage of. But yes. last week, so last Thursday, uh, the small business fund, the PPP, the paycheck protection mm-hmm. program, it ran dry as $350 billion Jeez. ran dry. All one, right. one in five small businesses, got the actual loan out all right and uh that, the, that again <laughs> that is so you read these stats and you're alone maybe on your sofa looking at your dog maybe you've started drinking too many bls and those stats like madeline Kahn in the movie clue which i always reference flames flames yes. it will turn your head it makes your head want to become a match and light and on like, fire and like uh, ben said what these one of the caveats in that plan was okay say you're a hotel chain say you're a yes. restaurant group well the paycheck protection program allows businesses of 499 employees or less pull out a loan from one of these uh banks mm-hmm. and uh so something like ruth's chris steakhouse which uh the worst <laughs> named steakhouse ever i've seen it multiple times and you know why that happened right i do know because it was a divorce that's right and it was chris steakhouse that's right. and Ruth's, then ruth yes. so ruth just was like straight just up a like spite driven uh <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's the worst named steakhouse that i've ever seen ruth's chris steakhouse but ruth so ruth's chris ruth's chris steakhouse is part of ruth's hospitality group which is a, it was a sprawling huge yes, restaurant group huge. and they make $440 million a year easy. Okay. Right? And so <laughs> Ruth, uh, presumably, sees the Paycheck Protection Program and goes, wait a minute, at each restaurant, mm. I only have 20 people working there. Right. 20, or 20 or 30 people working there. Yeah. So she, <laughs> I, I don't know who actually runs Ruth's Chris Estate. We'll just say it's Ruth. We'll just say yeah. Ruth. So Ruth I'm says, sure Ruth is long dead or Ruth maybe says, just retired in Uruguay. Hey, wait a second. So we're giving out free money uh, and she pulled out a $20 million forgivable loan. And uh, what a lot of these businesses mm. do is they'll pick, they'll take that loan out and then they'll fire giant chunks of their workforce. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, here, let's see. Well, that was one of the things I put out on Twitter. I was asking if we can find something to help undocumented workers. And one of the people tweeted, give to the small business, uh, to the restaurant association. But the only problem with that is, again, the restaurant association is oftentimes controlled by the roots of the world. And so it never does get down to my favorite pizza place, Carmine's Pizza or Skinny Dennis or Rock and Roll. It doesn't get down to them. There is a absolutely heartbreaking uh, New York Times uh, op-ed right now uh, from the manager of a a Lower East Side restaurant uh, called Prune. Where she, oh, yeah, she, I've heard of that. yeah, in a great restaurant that's been in that's been in New York for like twenty five years, 
And uh, it, she describes basically, yeah, not being able to get any of this money and having to fire all of her her uh, employees that have worked her, for her for so long. But then you have something like, so the restaurant group that owns Potbelly, mm-hmm. they, I don't know if you've been to a Potbelly sandwich shop. Oh, buddy, I've, you know what? I've seen them. They're all over I the city. I don't think that I have because you know what I don't get from restaurants? Soup. I don't think that anyone should ever eat soup from restaurants. I just find it to be, it's the most intimate of all foods. Sure. Because it bring, any anyone who's walked by that soup, you become the soup. Yeah. And, and all the ladles going in and out. I just feel like the soup, it's best homemade. And yet soup is so popular with the elderly who tend to have tremors. And it just seems like an unwieldy You're blaming food big I, soup for elderly tremors? I don't know. Um, <laughs> but so Potbelly, the CEO of that company makes uh something like two million dollars a year and uh they pulled out a 10 million dollar loan from the small business loan program right and then you have so i'm just going to go down a couple Yeah, just go down this list because so, this isn't so here's company name ceo uh how much they make per year and then i'll tell you the the, the loan amount they took out right for the small business loans. again yes so veritone uh ceo makes 18 million dollars a year oh my the, god the small business loan they took out $5 million. Polarity TE CEO makes $13 million a year. They pull out $3 million. Wave Life Sciences. These are all just like conglomerations. They can go fuck themselves. That, this is not mom and pop uh, businesses. And the thing is, when we say they take out, and I understand this is why they write the legislation and basically the House signs what they write. This is why... When people complain about these stimulus bills, it's like, how could you complain? All of this stuff is going all this is these are all the hands that it has to go through before it gets to the most amount of hands, which is the true small business owner. And it is true corporate theft. And this is why people uh, get so aggravated when it comes to these stimulus bills. And you wonder why these like these are huge numbers, right, for these small business loans. And you wonder why they like. If you were an actual small business, you were not able to take out four million dollars. Absolutely, they'll not. do it as a means-tested sort of thing. They'll look at they'll look at your expenses, yes. they'll look at your profits. So these, <laughs> the reason why they're pulling out millions of dollars is because these are giant multinational corporations that are saying, "Help me, please! I'm struggling yes. in in this pandemic." And then you have and you have I, Ruth Chris taking yeah. out twenty million dollars and then laying off every single employee yeah. that they have except for the CEO and the people in the room, you know, every, the boardroom. Every single again, we cannot lose sight of the most vulnerable, the undocumented, the kids who are you know dreamers and things like that, uh, who are really being hurt by this corporate theft. So I just but, wanted to point out one of the one of the groups that I was told uh, to look at. And if you know anyone who is on the front lines of trying to help out again the most vulnerable people of our society, who really once again are being overlooked, racist is apparently a very good company. Not racist. <laughs> it's racist. R-A-I-C-E-S. Yeah. Um, and we're trying to get someone from that yes. organization. If you have any hot leads uh, on uh, on anyone who may be a, a, a prominent volunteer. Anyone. Anybody spokesperson. If you're a volunteer, I don't care if you, speaking of soup, I don't care if you, if you, if you give soup to folks. Please reach out. I would love to hear from you. And the, uh, what racist stands for. Races? I'm going to say it like races. 
Uh, it stands for Refugee and Immigrant Center for Education and Legal Services. So I wanted to give them a shout out. And if you have a couple of bucks, um, you can go to their website. You can hit the donate button. Give them 10 bucks. Uh, you know, these are the organizations truly on the front lines saving lives. Absolutely. And so as we were saying uh, thir- last Thursday, that PPP fund ran out because giant corporations were just taking huge spoonfuls of this thing. Uh, And also, I mean, not even to mention the fact that the banks that were doling out the loans were providing concierge services to corporations and uh, the wealthiest members of the bank. So if you you were A, a, a legitimate small business, maybe five people, and B, you didn't have a relationship with that bank already, you were not getting a loan. You're done. You're done, so. So, um, Well, I mean, I feel, and I don't know, we don't know the answers to this. When I'm having my good days, I think that 30% 30% of the businesses in Williamsburg, Brooklyn won't reopen. No. On a bad day, I'm thinking half. I'm thinking we're going to be seeing shuttered businesses. And again, I don't see a business. I see people. Mitt Romney, the one thing he misspoke about, corporations are people. Corporations are monolithic, empty-souled, demonic yes. creatures from hell. Businesses, however, small businesses are legitimately people. We are about to witness the largest consolidation of business in our lifetimes. And we're going to talk about Larry Summers here in but, a second. Um, so Thursday, funds ran out. Yes. Congress needs to act. Yeah. Sen- Senate needs to act. Republicans do not want to dole out any more money. They got their shit. No, they're so fiscally conservative. <laughs> I mean, all of a sudden, no. isn't that amazing well, they, how that happens they, overnight? The, the, uh, the corporations are like, their bellies are full. And they don't want to add any more to the deficit. Of course not. Uh, so we have Mitch McConnell and Republicans saying like, oh, we really, we really don't want to do any more of this. Whereas the Democrats are like, we are, nobody is okay with this. So, um, but I'm we, wondering the Democrats are also the ones oh who control God. the purse and they have the, they have the house. The Democrats, so I don't understand how this is even getting past the, the house. Democrats but, hey. suck at this game so much. Nancy Pelosi is the second wealthiest person in the Congress. She is a multimillionaire. Even on the on a poor level, Elizabeth Warren even has twelve million bucks. These people still, it's just oh, so it's this. Very so this week uh, they passed. So the last one that they passed, the last bill of the CARES Act was number three, right? That was the big one. That was the two trillion, and then the added two trillion for like Boeing and shit. Right. Um, this one was they're calling it three point five instead oh. of four because it's it, in comparison to the first three, it does so little. Okay. Um, it's basically an extension of the PPP. It's basically like okay, we're gonna replenish this fund. And uh, so let me tell you how much money is in this. All right. So we got three hundred and seventy billion for small businesses. That's basically let's refill that PPP thing, and you have uh, one hundred billion for public health. Okay. And they are setting aside sixty billion of that for small banks. So like if you live in a rural area and you don't live next to a Chase Bank, sure. Uh, who would then snub you anyway? Um, they want to give uh, sixty billion of that money to credit unions, uh, mom right. and pop banks. But now my understanding is, which I'm actually fine with that in theory, only if these banks begin to loan. But yeah. my understanding is these banks are still holding that money very close because we don't want to have what happened with the housing crisis. We don't want to see another bubble burst. But to me, that is the biggest issue: is that it's not following through again to the person who needs the loan. 
Well, we only have evidence that the big chain banks are the ones that are are causing such a problem. Okay. They're the ones that are withholding funds for seemingly no reason other than uh, preference. They're they're being preferential with their treatment. Um, there, there's a story in New York Times uh, this week where a woman, uh, I believe she banked with SunTrust, mm-hmm. and she tried to uh, pull out a loan for her small business. And she could not get through to anyone um, on uh, apparently a big conference calls are going around at banks where the employees are told to not directly interface with any of their customers. They, they let it be only an online portal sort of thing, mm. unless you're uh, if you're unless you're making you know, ten million dollars a year. But so right. she said, hey, I'm, I'm actually going to close. I'm not here for the loan anymore. I'm actually going to close my account. And that's when one of the employees from the SunTrust Bank said, oh, actually, we can help you with your, your loan. So it is so wow. it is so preferential, even down to that little like, OK, I'm actually going to take my money out of this bank. And then they're like, yeah, OK, maybe we will work with you on this. You know, it sounds strange, but it is also very fun to remember that when you do call these banks, we do have power. And for this way and our power is our money. Our power is us. Without us, they don't exist. If everyone pulled their money out of a bank today, out of Citibank, whatever it might be, Chase, everything falls apart. They know that. They need us. So I like this woman's tactic of being like, well, I'll close it out then. Thank you. And then you get to see him really sweat like that fat bastard in Total Recall (laughs) when he realized he was in the real world. So like I said, the Republicans have been dragging their feet. They don't want to help anymore essentially and uh what they're doing is <laughs> they're making it so difficult for democrats who roll over immediately on these things to the point where 75 billion dollars of this 3.5 bill mm-hmm. uh set aside for hospitals and 25 billion for coronavirus testing that was a concession that the republicans said okay well we'll give you this right this is a pandemic a plague has hit America, and they're saying, okay, we'll concede this much uh, for coronavirus testing in hospitals. Mitch McConnell has actually gone, do you know Hugh Hewitt? Of course. So Mitch McConnell went on Hugh Hewitt's radio show. I know Hugh. Um, and he said, you know what? I actually, um, I'm willing to let sta- states go bankrupt, to declare bankruptcy instead of actually doling out state and local uh, funds in these bills. And uh, Which will inevitably... <laughs> Uh, end up being paid for more so by the federal government at the end of the day. I do wonder if this is something that Mitch is thinking about looking forward. Maybe he's hedging his bets that Joe Biden pulls this off. Perhaps it's very tough to say. Some of the approval numbers, which I'm not going to go through today, kind of want to wait a little bit closer to the election. It's almost 50-50 on how people perceive Donald Trump's specifically in this poll, his press conferences which are crazy. For the record, he did not say inject yourself with bleach or Drano, but he didn't not say that. And he just, it was word salad that you can kind of pick whatever you want. The word salad was, is there a way we can get the light and heat inside the body? Which to me sounds like he's suggesting maybe a cleansing fire. I don't know. Either Uh, (laughs) either way, it's not right. And do not listen to that. No, I mean, it's just, it's Twitter gobbledygook to, to be passed around because he didn't say drink bleach but he no, basically my, did i guess but no but it really does matter because unfortunately you know those are the headlines my little brother calls me who is a really quickly becoming my favorite political pundit <laughs> uh you know he's a special needs kid 28 yeah. years old oh my god 28 27 um getting old but he's like what the hell is this stuff ben he's like this is insane everyone has lost their damn minds i'm like michael 
you're in my administration immediately because you are dead on on that. So I want to point out, though, there it is 3.5. This bill is 3.5 for a reason. There are so many things that are lacking in this bill. Right. The the fact that they would replenish the small business part of it is all good and well. But it's also because they the Republicans, they their corporate friends got the to sup on the the gravy uh, at the top of that of that. Well, you know, not just Republicans, unfortunately. uh, Yeah. I mean, corporate their corporatist friends got to really go hog wild on it. And so it's not this great big like concession to say, okay, we'll refill it with uh, with two-thirds of what we originally filled it with by the way it should be 900 billion off the bat like why is there a cap on this at all we're in the middle of a pandemic where 27 million people have lost their jobs but um, two trillion dollars in the deficit at this point this money is just a it's a drip in an ocean imagine it's apparently a 14 years worth of savings uh for the the u.s government but it's a what what deficit who cares but uh, the thing that this bill is missing, and we'll apparently see in uh, part four, although there may not even be a part four, uh, is there's no hazard pay for essential workers. Mm. You have these nurses out here doing the the, the soldier, like these are patriots, you know, if we're, th- if we're thinking about it like that, like these are the people on the front lines doing the daily battles and they don't have hazard pay. Can you set aside a small fund even where these people can apply for hazard pay? No hazard pay whatsoever. Well, I'm doing my part i saw my buddy who's an emt uh he was a listener of the show he jumped out of his ambulance he was like kiss all it was like what's up bro he's like i wrote you the email oh i forget oh it's about how uh john kennedy put his hands up to his face he clarified <laughs> why he did that after he was shot i was like that's awesome i've seen him like five times since then but i bought them toberone candy Oh. So, hey, I've done my part. That's that's, that's, a my, very, that's the Ben Kissel hazard pay. Toblerone is a very regal treat. It's a very regal treat. Um, but so they also don't have, uh, w- there's no money for paid sick leave. There is, uh, there's just so much. There's, there's by a the lot way, lacking. There's no direct cash assistance to people anymore. Yeah. $1,200 is what everyone got. And then what what is that? I, we we have billions and trillions of dollars go out, and none of it is going into the hands of of actual Americans who are hurting so desperately right now. Outside of the twelve hundred dollars, which was a fight to get in the first place, and the, by the way, the only person who stood up against this like meager this meager measly bill was AOC. AOC is the only defiant voice here. Well, uh, it's when hard, it comes to the dem- but then and the, of course, and the Democrats have the House. Like it's it, oh it's goodness, ridiculous. Well, it is difficult. When you stand up against it, something is better than nothing. But this is, is also the well, problem where we're just so used to getting the grizzle. There's still the, some grizzle that is left. That's the logic that the Republicans yes. and Senate. It, anything Let is better than cake. yeah they're just tossing you the crumbs and then it, you'll you'll be well, happy that you get it i do wonder going back to sort of what i was talking about earlier if they're hedging their bets and they see this virus as something that if trump loses in november this virus is no longer the republicans problem now anything that goes wrong going forward will be on a democrat uh so perhaps they're saying well worst case scenario trump loses and we don't even have to deal with this anymore, and we can be nothing but obstructionists, which the Republican Party is unbelievably good at being. Uh, the Democratic Party, as we've seen, when they obstruct it, it's met with a pat on the head, sort of a small giggle, and uh, a move aside, please. I've got to get to the gym to work out. Democrats seem to be able to be ferocious defiant in the face of their own progressive wing of their party but it when it comes when it comes to republicans they are meek as a 
kitty cat. It really like, is a massive problem. The inner feud going on right now within the Democratic Party is extremely dangerous. If you don't want to see Donald Trump reelected, which is extremely possible, and don't think that it's not. We went through this in 2016. I think he has a better chance now than he did in 2016. And we will see how this plays out because he is, for better or worse, I would argue for worse because I think there's so much misinformation, which is why everyone is so on edge, which is why everyone has to be their own doctor. And we're learning most people didn't go to medical school. People will say, well, at least he's on TV. At least he's talking. It doesn't matter if he takes his butt cheeks and talks with those like he's Ace Ventura. It really does. People will just be like, well, I'm looking at him. And but that is a testament to how much people want to just be engaged. That's why I was just reading this article in the New York Times. And the the caption was, Joe Biden is losing the Internet. Does that matter? The Internet is the world. The Internet is the country. Absolutely. They point out how Joe Biden only has 32,000 people on his YouTube page. I actually tried to go down a Biden YouTube hole and you can't. There's no YouTube hole other than from people making fun of Joe Biden. Joe Biden is locked in a root cellar. Does it matter? Does it matter? You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Hey, Mom. First things first, thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say... Yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. Yeah, it's, it's, just, it's just awful. I mean, basically... Mitch McConnell is the re- I think the reason why he said the stuff about like oh I'd rather let states go bankrupt is really just he's letting Democrats know like I'm not going to let any more money like f- go right. to the people. Poor people need to stay poor and they need to learn their lesson. But uh I, yeah, so we're stay we're, poor but also go to work because we, a lot if, of them are uh, necessary workers. Keep right an now. eye out for I guess phase 4 of the CARES Act and just see if they if they put in any hazard pay, if they put in paid sick leave, things that actually matter to yeah. regular Americans and now, not conglomerations. The Trump administration did sort of pat itself on the back recently because they did allow for federal paid family leave but with massive amounts of restrictions. We still don't have nearly enough uh, of support and safety net for the people who are, are the most vulnerable. Again, that's why Stacey Abrams and Andrew Yang doing their best well, do you to wanna, help out as much as possible. Do you want to talk a little bit about Larry Summers being... Let's talk about... So yeah, I, we can talk I, about Larry I, Summers. I, I want to give some sure. context on who Larry Summers is. Let me do this really quick. Though. Yeah, let's go. Just, so as I mentioned, this New York Times article 
Uh, again, the headline is Biden is losing the Internet. Does that matter? Um, I can answer that question right now. So currently, Joe Biden has 32,000 subscribers on YouTube. Now, I hate the fact that we have to have this conversation. 2016 was obviously the Twitter election. Donald Trump has ruined Twitter. That's why I don't even know the Twitter waters because I don't explore them re- regularly. But the level of intensity is like so insane. People don't I don't think people don't realize that other human beings receive the information that they're sending out, myself included. I have to be aware of that as well. I'm not I'm not uh, I'm not saying I don't forget that at certain times as well. Um, But at the end of the day, the Internet matters. I believe this Instagram is extremely, you know, useful. Joe Biden is nowhere on there. This article tends to focus more on YouTube right now. President Trump has uh, 332,000 followers on YouTube. Again, Biden has 32,000. The only things that are really on there are his uh, videos from him in his makeshift basement. Those rarely crack 10,000 views. Now, again, I'm not saying that this equates to not having support, but these things matter. And being in front of the American people matters when you're running for president. Joe Biden should not be taking this time off. You know what? This is not a vacation for you. This is actually a very important time for you to show the American people that you care. Look at what Andrew Cuomo has done. So I was talking with some friends about if you're a good politician, this is actually this is your game seven. Yeah, this is your time to shine, baby. This is your time to hit a game winner against Craig Elo like Michael Jordan did. This is your time to be the star and people are going to judge you accordingly. So Joe Biden hanging out in the basement, which is horrible imagery to begin with, not being in front of the American people, not talking to media, not doing anything, allows for Donald Trump to fill the entire power vacuum with his own insanity. And it doesn't give the American people any idea of who the other option is. We don't, the American people know Joe's name. Yeah. But it's like, what is he? Joe, what? He might as well be doing like an incel video diary. He like, I know. He's, oh, my God. It's he's so true. not. I mean, Trump is so perfectly poised for this moment as far as like having an Internet presence. And Biden's approach. It's like it's like a Marvel movie that just came out. And then Biden is one of these guys that like shits on the Marvel movie and gets 20,000 views. Absolutely. Uh, even though the Marvel movie is making more money than anything else in the entire world and, and is more popular than anything else in the world. So well, he, he is, he needs, he needs to pull his dick out or something. <laughs> it would probably I, help. I, I don't know so, what to tell you. You need to get it. You know, Stacey Abrams needs to tell you how to like make it saucy. Get it, get it, get it going, man. I guess the interesting thing is, um, when it comes to Biden, he is trying to use new media, but I don't understand. This is one of the greatest ironies is that a lot of people, obviously, they'll say, oh, Republicans, they're all local locals. They're all stupid, whatever that might be. Democrats, they're all smart. Silicon Valley, all those things. Sure. From a political perspective, the Republican Party has been head and shoulders above, above the Democrats at realizing the power, weaponizing, politically weaponizing social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, uh, TikTok. As soon as Donald Trump is on TikTok, which mark my words, he probably will be, his numbers will be through the roof uh, on that as well. Joe Biden is trying to engage in these mediums, but failing miserably. For example, did you ever listen to the podcast 
here's the deal <laughs> the, oh, joe biden yeah, podcast? the joe biden podcast um you know that is that is like the ark of the covenant for me if i turn that if i turn that podcast on i think my ears would fucking melt so right now uh trump has a combined 106 million followers on facebook and twitter Joe Biden has a combined 6.7 million. I don't want to live in a world where this matters, yeah. but unfortunately yeah. we live in the world where this matters. My concern is if this continues to go on, this coronavirus pandemic, which it will uh, for a series of reasons, not just scientific, it will. November's coming up. Yep. Like it's there, not that there far away. There is an election that is right around the corner. Like yeah. how did we have... Or we had more people campaigning in 2019 for 2020, and now that we have one nominee, he can't get this team of supposed intellectual, uh, social media savage, uh, savage, uh, you know, savvy-minded people to figure out how he can break through, and it really is going to become a massive, massive political detriment if you because what's the other alternative? The other alternative is public town halls. But he's not doing those. So when you don't have an Internet presence and now we live in a time where you can't have public gatherings, you can't get in front of a crowd. He is for all intents and purposes. He's got the duct tape around his mouth. He cannot speak. He's totally he's not being censored. He has been self muted because his campaign can't get their crap together to figure out how to message to the American people. And this should be the time where Biden is doing what Obama did in 2008, got the nomination, uniting the party. We're going to talk about Larry Summers here um, in just one second. This should be that time where he's reinvigorating uh, the American people, uh, riding the wave of a victory to become a presidential nominee. It should be a huge moment. And then Instead, it's you, Biden in the basement. And then you have Trump, who has these two-hour press briefings every night that are exactly. frankly scintillating when he's telling people to to put he's like can we try bleach can we try um can we got, try um basically sitting in a uh, like a, a tanning booth for seven hours to sure. see if it burns out the virus yeah, exactly like that but then because because we don't have any counter then you have to just be like well at least he's suggesting something, something. i guess well i and, don't know and by the way those briefings i mean this is a total like trumpian thing to even point out but he gets like modern family numbers like he gets ratings uh he on definitely these things does and he definitely brags about it i and i, I don't know if this is like a, a too generalized a statement but it is interesting how conservative-minded people not necessarily Republican, just sort of the conservative right wing. Uh, they're better at forming online tribes. They are. They're better at, at coalescing well, online. As, as you said, the left eats itself, and that's what we're seeing right now. Whereas, yeah, the left hates uh, everyone. Every leftist Twitter person is secretly talking shit about every other leftist and Twitter person. And I think person. that that is, that is really why uh, they have such a difficult time forming a coalition as the Republican Party has been able to do so well. So just one of the other things um, that uh, that Joe Biden has tried to do, this was his digital strategy. This is his strategist. They tried to online, they tried to elevate his online profile by giving away no malarkey coffee mugs and a feel-good quarantine video. So nothing says getting the youth vote out like a good old no malarkey coffee mug, which I'll be buying. 
I just started Lexapro, and I think that shit just put me into a, de- a depressive episode. <laughs> I think that just knocked all the Lexapro out of my system. Well, it's just one of those interesting things. How did Donald Trump get to spend less than Hillary Clinton? And obviously, because of the way that we do our national elections uh, with the uh, with the Electoral College uh, able to win, because all of this stuff is completely free. That's it. It's 100% free. If you're a political strategist and you are not 1,000% focused on internet social messaging on every single platform, you should be fired. It is no, literally no overhead. Get a green screen. Hire one person who knows how to edit. Do a video a day and get this, get your candidate in front of the people because right now, folks are having Weekend at Bernie vibes. And even at Weekend at Bernie's, they brought his ass to parties. I think uh, so. Biden apparently is hiring um, Bloomberg as a like social. He's hiring the tech firm that was founded by Bloomberg called Hawkfish. Mike can get it done. Mike he's going to hire. It done. Bloomberg had one of the worst online campaigns. <laughs> well, certainly the most like strange and grating. Uh, the the mm. idea that we're all like super cool friends with Mike Bloomberg that really worked out for him, uh, but apparently uh, Biden's team has tapped Hawkfish, which is the one of Bloomberg's many pots that he has. Well, this is according to uh, Rob Flaherty because Rob Flaherty, if that doesn't instill social media savvy, I don't know what does. Rob Flaherty is the digital director. For the Biden campaign, this is what he said in an interview. He said, quote, we are in a battle for the soul of the Internet. He goes on to say, if you want to succeed on the Internet without turning into Donald Trump, the best thing you can do is show empathy and compassion and build community. Our digital strategy is going to reflect that. Terrible failure. (laughs) (laughs) No. Terrible. Like their, their mindset is so wrong. Yes. Having a successful platform or being successful on a platform that is not mirroring Donald Trump. You can say whatever you want to say. This is, again, going back to what I was talking about. Just because his administration is doing something, just because he is doing something, doesn't mean that you shouldn't do something in that same world, but try to do it better. Right. And it's cute to say. Uh, we're going to have uh, we're going to show empathy and compassion, but it's hard to sell when we when we do have Biden meeting people. He just yells at them and <laughs> tells them he calls them horse face pony boys and threatens to take them outside and beat them up, even though he would get his ass kicked by a by a freaking anthill right now. Anyway, something to look out for during this campaign. Can the Biden administration, you know, can they? Switch it around and and go for it. If you look at the Walter Cronkite of the Internet, and it's hard for me to even say this because of some jealousy issues and also because I just don't think he's that smart. doesn't matter what my opinion is. The Walter Walter Cronkite of the Internet is Joe Rogan. Sure. And when Joe Rogan said he would vote for Bernie, Bernie had a hell of a day. Yeah. And now Joe Rogan has said he was going to vote for Trump or he will vote for Trump, which I think is something that. I, that is not a, a, a surprise. Now, did he say he'd vote for Trump or that he's not voting for Biden? I believe he just straight up said he would vote for Trump. Okay. He would, I, And again, I don't know. We, we can't hold people to something that they say in a podcast and we'll wait until he votes. But the fact that like Joe Biden is not even on the radar of someone like a Joe Rogan, like he needs. 
I know Jeff Ross, our, our good friend, the yeah. Roastmaster General, he had Biden on his show, I believe. It's just he's not he's just not pushing through. And so the question, the fact that the New York Times even posed this as a question makes me be like liberal New York Times. Yeah. Um, but the fact that they would even pose this as a question again, the question is Biden is losing the Internet. Does that matter? Oh, you mean the only place that humans <laughs> exist now? Yes, it matters <laughs> immensely. So. If you work with Biden or what, I don't know if anyone works with works for Biden that listens, but they need to step up the social media game because I wouldn't be surprised if we don't have gatherings until November or well throughout November. No, I I wouldn't be surprised if we have it's a complete mail in vote uh, for November. It's very And, and we're about to find out how the how that will look because georgia mm-hmm. today opened uh reopened large parts of their state yeah. and we're about so to we'll see. see they're they're the guinea pig they are uh and also i don't know if you saw this las vegas's mayor is also uh volunteering to make her citizens I, guinea pigs as well she said open the casinos and let mm-hmm. basically let <laughs> let god sort it out i'm not gonna say i have a gambling addiction but i will say i've been watching it closely god i've seen you oh. go demon mode <laughs> Demon mode in uh, where was that in Pennsylvania? That we were... Hey, by demon mode, do you mean winning big yeah, and then losing like, it by the end of the I night? I saw you and you were sitting at a uh, blackjack table, and I just saw smoke shooting out of your ears. <laughs> but that being said, again, just to sort of put a button and and then segue into this next conversation, the one person that has huge amounts of internet buzz, both YouTube on every platform, uh, Joe, uh, Bernie Sanders, Bernie Sanders, those progressives, Joe Biden needs those progressives, and nothing he has done is extending the olive branch to those progressives completely out of touch with his first announcement when it comes to the folks he's going to surround himself with if he ever does make it to the white house let's talk about economic advisor larry summers so it wasn't a proclamation it biden didn't actually announce it but bloomberg news has basically broken the story okay that Larry Summers is now the economic advisor to the Biden campaign. And uh, ultimately, that should be a signal to the progressive part of the Democratic Party that you're done. Like, we don't I don't care what you think anymore because Mm. I am the guy. And the reason why I say that is because a little background about Larry Summers. He actually worked under Clinton and Obama. Mm-hmm. In uh, under the Clinton presidency, he oversaw the economic reconstruction of post-Soviet Russia. Mm-hmm. And what he did was he encouraged the privatization of of assets there, which ultimately led to oligarchs taking over the country. Now, of course, when it comes to the privatization, we need to have a balance. This is the the constant struggle that we're going through in this country between having an oligarchy and having an actual uh, between having an oligarchy and fascism. You want to find somewhere right in the middle. And obviously, when it comes to fascism, basically Russia did that. And then that pendulum under the advice of Larry Summers obviously went the other direction. So then uh, during the 2000s, leading up to the 2008 uh, and 2009 recession, uh, it was Larry. Larry Summers was essentially the one of the chief architects of the financial deregulations that led to our giant uh, Great Recession, 2007, 2008. Uh, and so then Obama very wisely put him on the Economic Council to get us out of that. And uh, Larry Summers basically. The way that we get these, like the, the way we even got these twelve hundred dollars stimulus che- stimulus checks now, 
that shit was like completely unheard of for uh, for somebody like Larry Summers. He uh, bailed out the banks. He insisted on bailing out the banks, and then when it, he did not, he bank, he bailed out Wall Street. But then when it came to Main Street, he he did not care for that part of uh, the stimulus. And of course, Bill Clinton leaving office over fifty percent approval rating, the last president to do so. So I suppose he was getting in his mind positive validation. Just as Democrats and the Sunrise Movement are not happy with this move. They're asking Joe Biden to remove Larry Summers from the economic uh, advisor role. This is what they had to say. Uh, They say Joe Biden has a major trust gap that he must overcome with progressives and voters under 45 who voted overwhelmingly against him in the primary and who he'll need to defeat Trump. They go on to say Larry Summers legacy is advocating for policies that contributed to the skyrocketing inequality and climate crisis we're living with today. We hope Biden publicly rejects Summers role as an economic advisor to better earn the trust of our generation. And again, we are in a situation where the political elite are relying on the idea that we will go with Biden just so we don't have Trump. And as I have said many times before, it is up to these politicians to inspire people to vote for them. People don't. It's not a fun day. I love to vote. I'm a nerd. I also have a job that allows me much more time much more freedom with my day than someone who works a nine to five. Someone like my friend in uh, in Wisconsin who waited in line for hours to go vote in this most recent primary. People need to be inspired to vote for you. And this is just not going to get that. That wing of the Democratic Party is totally uninspired. And I, I think where Biden's brain is, he sees himself as a center left centrist who wants to get center right and then center left and hopefully build a coalition of around 33% of people in the middle. Because it seems like, you know, politicians are now kind of fighting for that sacred 33% rock solid base. Right. And then assuming that people will go back to their political DNA and vote Democrat or vote Republican, which is exactly what we saw. Well, he's he's not made any progressive friends with this choice. Right out the gate, this is a a really huge betrayal to anyone that considers themselves progressive. And that's why I I am now, I think this is a giant clue to our like veep steak mystery, mm-hmm. right? Like who, who is going to be uh, Biden's uh, vice president? I don't think Elizabeth Warren can be considered a tenable prospect at this point. Well, I don't know. I mean, it would be so wild this for, is just, for her mean, to be like, yeah, okay, cool. Well, Larry to Summers. Be fair, to be fair, this is one advisor He's going to be surrounded by military hawks. You're going to have a whole bunch of people in there that are not going to be in line with Elizabeth Warren's version of uh, of democratic, uh, you know, principles. So I don't necessarily for me I feel like this is sort of why we would need someone like Elizabeth Warren even more. I would I, look you know, I, just to I have would her like that, there. But I it also just doesn't it, it to me it signals I don't need to placate you people. He already has Bernie's endorsement. Uh, all he gave Bernie was a task force. So he basically put him in a, like at the children's table yes. and said, you play with your whatever, uh, Medicare for all. And Elizabeth Warren, obviously, totally pro on Biden's side. AOC, even she put up a little bit of a fight, but ultimately said, I will vote for Biden. But, you know, we were just talking about how the left eats itself. So technically they're doing what they need to do. 
right? I mean, if you don't, they have to coalesce. They must. I mean, so I don't. That's the big argument. They, but if they don't have the thing is, if they don't get Biden in. They have nothing. Yes. Well, they have true. no power. At the very least, if AOC knocks on uh, a President Biden's door, it's going to be answered. Right. As opposed to now, perhaps it's answered with Trump's you know, pants are around his ankles. But um, that's more of a Clinton thing. But, um, you know, so at the very you do need to get someone in there that will right. answer your well, phone that's, calls. That's the big thing. It's like, well, with Trump, he a, a progressive would be laughed out of his presence. Right. Yes. But with uh, the idea is like with Biden, you at least have incrementalism to rely on so some of the issues this organization is uh or some of the some of the issues this organization has with summers is that he was an advocate for the keystone xl pipeline um which of course i am not i i am this is a tough subject for me because i believe in energy independence i don't want to have any more foreign wars for oil so i think that we do we should create our own oil but what we shouldn't do is put it on the most <laughs> indigenous people's indigenous lands. people's lands. The the people who have been literally raped of everything, literally. Um, I just that that to me is what angers me. Yeah. That that to me was the part of that movement that I was like, absolutely, the Keystone Pipeline should go through wealthy neighborhoods, maybe some middle class neighborhoods. Either way, we sh- we we should not be putting the most the people who are at most risk already in this country at more risk because you know when there is a keystone xl uh, pipeline uh, break it's going to devastate that community and people will be like ah yeah if it happened in connecticut which obviously it couldn't but if it happened in a place with money uh, it would be a much much bigger deal so this is again uh, a big issue for progressives. And if you're Joe Biden, I mean, how he... hard would it have been <laughs> to just appoint? I know you're going to have moderates and I have no problem with moderates. I know he's going to have those people in his cabinet. But why not just get the momentum going? Some, yeah. Why not look at all the energy on the progressive left and just tap like like you're looking for oil, tap into it by getting someone that they would like, because there are a lot of more left-leaning economic advisors that are reasonable. Yeah. You know, I mean, you have someone like uh, Robert Reich, who... Would be great. You know, he's another kind I mean, of Clinton he would be, guy. He, he's, he, he but, would be, I think he would be way more yes. uh, uh, acceptable. The I think thing, he would be more of a bridge than this is, guy. That's for damn the sure. The thing is, like, choosing somebody like Larry Summers is really like Biden coming out with a giant foam finger that says Chase Bank number one. Like, it is so cartoonishly uh, opposed to progressive ideals. Like, uh, mm. American Prospect is a leftist uh, website that, a, a prominent we- uh, leftist website where... They had an article in early March that said, uh, hey, Biden, you're, you're probably going to be the nominee. Please do not appoint these people. They had a do right. not appoint list. Number one on that list, Larry Summers. And then he go- wow. as if as if answering that, as if replying to that. It's just so he, stupid. He appoints Larry it's Summers. Po- it's politically stupid. I don't even care if Larry Summers is in, if he would get in and then he would be part of his economic team. One of the many advisors around the table trying to hopefully find the best solution to whatever the problem might be. God knows uh, inequality and in those things. But to have that be the first person <laughs> that you're like, this ridiculous. is it, it, it's stupid. It's just politically stupid. Uh, this is what the Biden uh, campaign had to say, or at the very least, this is what a Biden advisor told uh, Reuters. 
Uh, They say Joe Biden's will be the most progressive agenda of any president in generations. And he looks forward to his continuing engagement with progressive leaders to build on his existing policies and further the bold goals driving his campaign. Again, I don't think the word bold and Biden have ever been said together, specifically not in this election cycle. So this is what they're saying. They want to build on Biden's policies. However, It is those exact policies uh, that the left doesn't like. So we don't necessarily want to build on criminal on the criminal justice bill on, you know, you name it. Um, But anyway, so Joe Biden. Good luck, Joe. Good luck, Joe. Honestly, good luck, Joe. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I get that Internet presence up. I don't see what the problem is i don't know what the delay is he needs to buy followers he needs to do whatever the hell you gotta do man seriously do something crazy maybe do something outlandish run outside all naked and tell them you're having a breakdown do something to get the news cycle i don't even care what it is (laughs) shave your eyebrows off do something go full britney shave your freaking head although he doesn't have a lot of hair to start with but go blonde go blonde for the summer anything write a romance novel or read stacy abrams romance novel i'd watch that youtube video that would be an amazing amazing like fundraiser video if he read if he read one of Stacey Abrams romance novels like in a live stream sure these are all great ideas it doesn't have to be smart eat yogurt in front of us eat a steak I don't care look who you're running against like anything you do is not as outlandish as the man that's in office so just do something because we cannot really survive i I don't think we can survive another four years of trying i think the country changes um but i have one more article before we go this is just an interesting uh this is from texashillcountry.com i just thought what a strange uh time we're living the headline is funeral for the lubbock small businessman planned for saturday so this is a funeral for small businesses oh uh, just in general in the, the concept of small business they are giving a funeral to it um on saturday april 18th 2020 the city of lubbock will be the scene of a strange kind of funeral in these challenging times for personal and business interests due to covid19 and quarantine measures many people are wondering what will happen from day one to the next while practicing social distancing and, and obeying shelter in place orders we're all working together to support one another in a local business entities trying to make it through without uh as much difficulty as possible however in doing so we've recognized a few modern day truths one is that the american small businessman has it tough so the funeral for the Lubbock small businessman is being mm. held in West Texas. Organizers of this unique and historical event are planning the opportunity for people to pay their respects to those who are struggling with their small business as a peaceful protest. The funeral for the Lubbock small businessman is part of an awakening, awakening many have experienced. It recognizes mm. that local and local individual or family grocer, convenience store, food, health food businesses, and mechanics are finding it difficult to stay afloat in today's precarious economy well, i just I, think this is a very interesting way to like manifest your stress and anxiety during this time sure. the idea of having a ritualistic funeral for the very concept of small well, businesses apparently they're not burying small business uh female small business owners yeah it's the businessman um, so it's just for the businessman so i i guess ladies, that's something ladies stay inside you're staying alive one. i guess i don't know what's going on just uh, just yeah. an interesting little uh a little uh news from mark Marcus's hometown, <laughs> and it, and it plays, but it you know it is it is a little bit comically it is comical, but it does play on the truth that we are people are struggling. So hopefully we can get some leadership at the top that sends a message that is mildly uh, comprehensible 
so then we can, you know, try to get yeah, a, a all, narrative that all, we all agree on reality. That's I just, all pipe dreams, man. <laughs> it's just not. Oh man, this is anyway. It's really not that much of a pipe dream. Um, all right, everyone. Well, thank you all so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, check out Hail Yourself America on Hail Yourself america.com and i cannot wait to see you all as soon as i can as soon as they unshackle me i will be with you i cannot wait to hang out see you hear your stories i i just i miss you all so much and um yeah it'll be a wonderful experience i don't care if we stand 15 feet apart you can you can shout your experience to me we can laugh together and cry together uh because those are two things that we uh that we're gonna do to get through what's going on right now um okay everyone thank you for listening and never forget hail yourselves we'll talk to you soon this show is made possible by listeners like you thanks to our ad sponsors you can support our shows by supporting them for more shows like the one you just listened to go to lastpodcastnetwork.com Can you remember a time when you thought someone you disagreed with might actually be right? In the new podcast, You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen pose that question to guests like Paul Ryan, Al Gore, and Judy Woodruff. Come for the stories, stay for the substance and expert insights into some of the most challenging issues facing the country, including affordable housing, crime, and education. Listen to You Might Be Right a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Mom. First things first, thank you. It's my one-year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol... Reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost.